0: Welcome to In In It It Together. Together. I'm Jay.
1: And I'm Courtney. And this is our podcast where we discuss mental health and self-improvement from a couple's perspective.
0: Thanks for joining us again.
1: Yes. Happy you're back.
0: So we're going to talk about parentification today and specifically emotional responsibility, right? As an effect of of, uh, parentification. So why don't you go into, let's start by describing or defining, I guess, what parentification is and then specifically mm. what emotional responsibility
1: is. Okay. So we're going to talk about parentification and it's just what it says. You're being parentified. So a younger child having extreme amounts of responsibility placed on their shoulders, that's way beyond their reach at that time. And this isn't like helping out, you know, and doing things like this. This is that because your parent is not doing what they need to do, you have to step up and then become responsible. You then become the parent. It's like role reversal, okay? And with that comes emotional responsibility. And that is really just an ownership that you feel to someone else's feelings and emotions. So if your parent is constantly relying on you for support, you then feel responsible for that.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And again, the distinction here is it's the extreme right cuz we we want as parents you want to provide children with some level of responsibility for themselves and for you know the household um uh, we and we've talked about this in in different other podcasts as well right that you want to provide our your children with some level of adversity especially when you're dealing with you know trauma or us coming from like a traumatic childhood and not wanting to trauma parent, right? We want to build, the, give them some level of adversity to build character, but this is the extreme, right? Yeah, this, this, is- isn't,
1: this isn't controlled adversity where you're helping your child move through their fears and their worries, and you're trying to help them be independent and stand on their own two feet. This is like without you having to take over as a child, your needs are not getting met. The needs in the home are not getting met. Your siblings are going without, and so you have to step it up. That's what we're talking about.
0: Yeah. So in essence, it is that role reversal, right? Is the child becomes the parent, handles the home, does everything that that the parent is supposed to be doing. And that leads, of course, to traumatic emotional dependence.
1: Exactly. So a lot of times people will say, well, like, oh, where does this come from? You know, it it just can't be parentification. It can't just be from our childhood. So let me start there. So when we as children, we grow up with emotionally underdeveloped parents, They do not see that we have needs. They're all about themselves. Maybe childlike in their behavior, tantrums if things don't go their way, everything revolves around them. And the children are then seen through the parents' eyes as their emotional support system. You know, like a pseudo-partner or something like that, romantic partner. They're there for all the unhealthy conversations. Parent may share sex life with child or struggles with child or financial issues with child, where child then becomes like their little counselor, their little confidant. And then the child feels responsible to then have to, like, make that better and be responsible to, to, to lend that listening ear. And when the kid doesn't want to do that anymore, they're made to feel bad because it's their job to be emotionally responsible for their parents. Now, you may sit here and say, well, I, I didn't see any of that in childhood. This started when I was in adulthood. If you are in a relationship Where that is happening, it is because there is some level of trauma that happened. Because you're going to repeat what you could not repair as a child. It is this subconscious thing that we do when we see qualities in our partners. So at some point before you swiped on Tinder or whatever it is that you were doing, you're like, I can fix that. I can do something about that. And you found yourself in a relationship where now you feel emotionally responsible for your partner. And that will look like if your partner says, if you just didn't do that, I wouldn't have done that or if you don't want me to say that then you shouldn't be saying that you then become emotionally responsible for your partner's reactions but it didn't start in adulthood the behavior itself was cultivated in childhood
0: No I I absolutely agree because that's that's where you start to develop we talked about attachments and we have a podcast on that but that's where it starts right that's where you start to develop these things and and you you hear this a lot where people say oh you know I had a, a great childhood if you if you're in a relationship where you're you know you're emotionally dependent on that other person or that person's dependent on you that's where it starts right and a lot you hear this a lot too it's like oh you know my parent was my best is my best friend and that's okay to a certain extent right yeah but there's these boundaries that we have to have as parents with our children of course they will reach a maturity age where they can have those conversations you know, sexual in nature or um, financial in nature or, you know, there, there's certain conversations that you can have. But at a very young age, you know, when you start to introduce these things that they don't properly understand. Yeah, their pituitary
1: that, gland goes on overload. Like Exactly.
0: It's, it's that's what we're talking about. That's where things can go awry quickly.
1: Exactly. It's a violation of boundaries. So you said a really good job. Like you compartmentalize that really well with this type of parentification. There is no boundaries. Seriously, parents like find themselves almost identifying on the level of the child. And that's where that responsibility comes from. And it's terrible because it is a form of, of neglect, you know, and it's because your needs aren't being met, you know, your needs aren't being cultivated. So you grow up and you don't know how to be responsible for your own damn emotions, only the people around you. I can identify with that. I understand how that is.
0: And this goes back generationally because again, if you had like a a parent that had a young parent, right? Yep. They learned, you know, how to be a parent from that, you know. So if you have a teenage mom that had a child, and you see we see this, right? And then the the child becomes like their best friend, you know, in an unhealthy way, and then that child has children at a very young age. So it becomes this cycle of neglect, abuse, in a way right where you you don't know any better.
1: Yeah, the next generation's parentified. And a lot of people, you know, I and I don't want people to sit here and be like, "Oh, you know, you're putting my family down." Pa- parentification doesn't have to have malicious undertones. It does not. It just needs to have just enough of its own undertones and parentifications for it to come out. And so, that's the toughest part. That's what kind of help give you that perspective.
0: Yeah, and it's not to villainize anyone, right? Or anyone's parents or, you know, again, you might have a great parent, right? But understanding that you were parentified, right? Understanding that these are traumas will help you, you know, move through them and break that cycle, right? Because that's what's important. It's not about, you know, blaming or vilifying what happened. Because again, you could have had a very, a great parent that you love very much. And again, they're your best friend, but there was that parentification that is causing you issues in your relationships now because of that emotional responsibility that you feel for your partner.
1: Exactly. And I think it's really important like that. We know these things, you know, because when you become an adult or if you're even just listening to this podcast, you're going to be like, what are the the signs of parentification? Like, what does this even look like? And, you know, really, it looks different for everybody.
0: So on that note, what are the some of the signs that you may see or feel from this
1: okay so i just want to preface this with and make a distinction that some of this is going to sound like empathic behavior it's not okay keenly aware of moods and nuances okay so this is something that you don't have to be an empath to feel this so when you have emotional responsibility on your shoulders you learned at a very young age oh When mom or dad or caretaker act that way, this is what's going on. And you learn to pick up on the tiniest little micro expressions before the behavior comes because you're trying to then prevent an emotional response in that person because you feel responsible to regulate the responses in them. The other sign is being able to pick up on your parents or someone else's grief without them even telling you their distress, their discomfort, their stress, whatever is going on. That is another sign of feeling like you are emotionally responsible for somebody. You have this, like I said, keen ability to kind of hone in on those aspects and you fixate on them. And it almost feels like they then become your own emotions. But again, this is not empathic behavior.
0: Yeah because there's a there's a fine line and we we've had these conversations about like people mistaking, you know, codependence for being empathic, right? So they're they're similar in a way, but they're completely different things. And I think what you're you're saying is You become codependent. And we've also talked about, you know, being childs of trauma, how we can read those micro expressions and we can read these body language. We're innately able to do that because of the trauma that we've experienced that we're very innately able to read these things. But those can be quickly confused as being empathic where it's a lot about being more codependent on the person, at least of what we're talking about. Here.
1: Exactly. Sometimes people, you know, say, oh, it's, you know, and I'm an empath when it's just extreme levels of codependency. There's a huge difference between the two, and we should definitely talk about that at some point. But these signs that you're going to see when you feel emotionally responsible are simply that when someone is having a tough time, you feel like you need to fix it, which is, you know, like codependency. It's it's, it's, it's a byproduct of it, Right. Or it's just being able to pick up on before something bad happens, you know what's coming. You see the behavior in that person. Well, you remember from last time, when that person does that, this is what's coming next. You then feel responsible to try to prevent that person from feeling what they're about to feel. Because you don't have your own emotions. You don't have your own needs. Your job is to be responsible for the needs and the emotions and feelings of another person. I mean, these are the biggest signs that you can look for. There's tiny other little ones, but they don't. Like, apply to everybody, and they can get convoluted in other aspects. So, I really wanted to talk about the ones that can be truly specific to emotional responsibility.
0: All right. So, in what ways would you see emotional responsibility in a relationship or a place of employment?
1: Okay. So, that's a great question. Now, let me, I'm actually going to start with the employment part because I actually saw a lot of this in myself. So, let's hypothetically say, you're uber connected to your boss. You know, like if your boss is having a bad day, he's walking around or she's walking around and they're kind of tiffy, they're throwing papers, you know, just closing the door a little bit too difficult. Like you're going to pick up on something is not right. Like it's going to bother you. Whereas the average person just be like, ah, you know, they're just, they're having a day. To you, it's like, you feel like responsible. Like I need to do something better. She might go to your boss's office and say, hey, is there anything, how, how are things going? Or is there anything else that I can do? I, I finished my work. Um, I've I've caught up on that because you think by saying these things that you are then going to help your boss feel better about whatever it is that's going on with them. Same things apply with feeling emotionally responsible for coworkers. You know, your coworker walks in, you notice, oh my god, they're acting a little bit different. They dress in a little bit. Something must be going on, and all of a sudden you feel like you need to kind of fix it. Or well, you feel responsible to lend a helping hand, to be a friend, to be a good colleague. So you'll find yourself kind of going over and, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. And, it, and again, this is codependent behavior. This, you know, emotional responsibility is a byproduct of codependency. It falls under it, which comes from parentification, right? So you're going to see that in the workplace. I even saw it at times like, you know, when I'm, when you're working out in the field, if you're in, you know, human services or anything like that, or any type of position where you work directly. Directly with the public, you're going to find yourself feeling triggered a lot, feeling like, okay, this person's having a bad day. What can I do to make them feel better? You know, how can I make this situation better? Can I make this person laugh? You know, it's just feeling emotionally responsible to make sure that that person's okay, that that person's happy. And I, you see this a lot in, in places of employment. And it can look the same in a relationship, you know, especially when there's an intimate partner. You feel emotionally responsible for them. You know, if they're having a tough day or they're going through something, you you want to be there or you pick up on it before they do. You know, you pick up in the shifts in their body, the way they say yes or uh-huh or sure or things like that. You find yourself keying in on those things saying, "Okay, something else is coming. Something else might be wrong." And yes, maybe they're just having a day. But you feel emotionally responsible to make sure that they have a good day or a better day and that they don't sit where they are. And so it's just it. You'll see that when you have this emotional responsibility for people that it manifests in different, you know, aspects and domains in your life.
0: Yeah, I can see where that's a problem and also how it relates to, you know, what people think is empathetic or, you know, and of course it is codependent. But I can understand how that can be a problem. So. The next phase is how how do we deal with it, right? How do you recognize it and how you deal with it? That's what we're going to talk about after the break. So we're going to stop here uh, for a quick message. And then when we get back, go over identifying these traits and then what do we do to combat them? So uh, we'll pause here and we'll be right back.
1: We always hear how much the podcast has positively impacted all of you. So now, here's an opportunity to help us continue making content, and we've made it simple by partnering with Patreon. You can find the link in the episode description. For your subscription, we've added additional bonus incentives, which include a newsletter, access to the In It Together Patreon group, and special access to upcoming private episodes with Jay. For our top subscribers, you'll even get monthly access to Jay and I via Zoom. We're grateful for your support. And don't forget to keep sharing the podcast with everyone you know. Together, we can help grow the In It Together family. Now back to the podcast.
0: So we've been talking about emotional responsibility, which stems from parentification as a young child. And uh, so talked a little bit about what, how it presents and talk a little bit more about how do we identify it and how do we combat it, which is the, the more important.
1: All right. So before I go into how we're going to combat it or how we're going to work through it, identifying it isn't easy at first. But what you need to start doing is pay attention to the relationships that you have that trigger you the most. The ones where you feel the most upset around or connected to or triggered by. The ones that you feel like the fights are the strongest or the emotions around that relationship are, are, are the more powerful ones. And then you need to sit and you need to analyze the relationship like Okay. if I think I'm emotional responsible, if I definitely think this is something that's going on, let me analyze my relationship. So with my partner, when are the times that I feel like this, that I feel like I have to do this or that? And then you write those things down and you look at them and then you, you know, by deductive reasoning, you ask yourself like, okay, is this something I am responsible for? You know, is this something that I am causing or that I caused and now I need to work through? And when the answer is no, and the more no's you get, you can start seeing that like, my God, I am pinning myself to be more responsible for things that have nothing to do with me initially. So with your partner, you know, if they say something along the lines of, if you don't want me to do that, then you shouldn't have done that. And you can take partial responsibility that, okay, maybe my behavior in that situation wasn't ideal and I own that, but you're responsible for how you react. That's not my problem. Okay, so I don't like being yelled at or I don't want that being done. It is not my job to say something in a way to prevent you from losing your shit. That is your stuff you have to deal with. That's being emotionally responsible. And the other person has to be emotionally responsible for ourselves. So really just kind of looking at that, I think, is important. And that's where you start. The more questions you start asking, the more time you have to sit with those things, the more answers are going to come. There's no quick fix, there's no hack, there's no book that you can read that's going to tell you the answers. You have to ask yourself the questions. In my relationship, when do I feel that it is my fault the most often? And then you just start documenting that.
0: Yeah, I think it's a really good point, right? Cuz and and this bleeds into not only your relationships, you know, within your partnerships, but with like you said, like in employment, anytime there's a superior or even a coworker, right? If you feel like you're responsible for them feeling whatever it is they're feeling, like everyone has a bad day. Everyone has, you know, external factors, especially in the workplace, right? Or even like I said, in a relationship, right? Everyone has these different factors that contribute to our moods. But if you feel like your your partner or your coworker or whoever their mood is dependent on what you're doing, then then that's a good sign that, hey, I'm emotionally responsible. I feel emotionally responsible. And that's something you have to work with.
1: Exactly. And I think that that really encompasses, you know, at least trying to figure it out. And, you know, the second part of it is like, okay, so, yeah, I guess I'm emotionally uh, responsible here for a lot of stuff. How do I get through it? So there's eight I don't want to say tips, but eight little things to kind of think about that you can kind of start working with. And the first one, though, is really telling your story. Okay, because acknowledging it and acknowledging the harsh reality of what you went through actually communicates to the parts of your brain, like your hippocampus and, you know, pituitary gland and your prefrontal cortex and all of that, that, hey, this person's actually ready to start talking about what they've suppressed for so long. That triggers your brain to say, she's, he or she's ready to heal right now. Like they're they're ready to go. The second part is really accepting. And it's not being accepting of like the injustice of what necessarily happened, but just accepting the fact that it did happen, that you were parentified, that you did have to take more on than you should have had to take on at that age. And because of that, you're now suffering. That acceptance piece, which is the, you know, number two is so important because if we refuse to accept, if we keep saying, you know, our childhood was great or yeah, you know, it was okay, but you know, my parents had all their trauma, you're invalidating it. Trauma or not, your parents were responsible to get themselves where they needed to be. You can hold space, you can understand, you can have empathy for what they went through, but you can't make excuses for the behavior. So accepting is important. And then that brings me to the next point of this hyper-independence that you have. You know, we walk around like this is like the most amazing thing. Hyper-independence is a trauma response, right? So working through that is, is step three. It's learning to ask for help. And it's learning to understand who you can ask help to. When you have this emotional responsibility on your shoulders, you could be drowning. I'm talking drowning, highly overwhelmed, breaking down and you still won't ask for help because it's something that is so foreign to you. You know, you need help. You know, you want help, but you won't ask for it. So I think in step three, that's really important that you learn to start asking for help and understand that hyper independence, although it's been great, doesn't always serve us. Right. So going into the next part is learning to challenge yourself to connect authentically with people. Right. Because the connections we think we have aren't authentic. Right. And that's the hardest part of healing is people really appreciated us for our trauma responses and all the things that we all the you know, the responsibility that we put on our shoulders to make sure that that friendship was great or that relationship was great. And it's learning to genuinely connect with people who share similar values to you. And that is the hardest piece. And that's the kind of midway as you start healing is trying to figure out, okay, I don't want to be emotionally responsible for people anymore. I don't want to have to always take the brunt of everything and feel like it's my responsibility. How do I start figuring out what my values and morals are when it comes to this? And how do I find people who share those morals and values?
0: Yeah. And to piggyback on, you know, your last three points, right, that you made, the one in, in particular about like understanding or, or giving light to those traumatic because what you said, right? A lot of people will say, you know, I had a great childhood. You know, it was great. It was, you know, my mom, my dad were my best friends or whatever. But it's it's understanding that that even though your, your perception of this was great, it is some, uh, it is a traumatic experience. You have to bring that to light because it's just like anything else, right? So, what you don't heal, you repeat, right? So it goes even one step beyond that because if you don't acknowledge it and you become a parent, then you will repeat that behavior and re- and continue parenting in that way and traumatizing your children, or parentifying your children, which in turn will continue that cycle. So it's important to, to see that so you can break that cycle, create those uh, healthy boundaries between you, yourself, and your children. You can still be your child's best friend, but understand that there's certain boundaries that need to be established. You're still the parent. They're still the child. And they that needs to be it needs to be cultivated in the, in the correct way.
1: Absolutely. And I think that that's important to encompass it that way so that people can kind of understand like where that's coming from. So the next thing that can kind of help with this is so when we have emotional responsibility or we've been like over parentified or anything like that, we lack self-expression. Like we don't even know what looks good, (laughs) like picking out your clothes or like trying to figure out what looks good with what we just we just don't know. And so art, as crazy as this sounds, can be a fantastic way to actually start reconnecting with yourself So that you can then learn self-expression in a way that is abstract or concrete or whatever. Whatever works best for you. So I think that art and journaling, those are huge because the more we represent and we get out. So doing things to get it out of your head, drawing, painting, writing, whatever, what have you. Something creative really helps you heal on a whole other level because you're finding your self-expression. And when we do that, we again send a message to our brains that, hey, I'm ready to be my authentic self, right? And that's why, you know, going into my next point, you know, you need self-compassion. You need to be able to say, hey, I understand that I am I just was trying to be emotionally responsible for your behavior. That's not my, you know, it's not my thing. This is what I need to be responsible on. We, you know, I, I made a mistake again. I slacked again. I was uber focused on you. I need to focus on me. And you know what? I'm just going to make a plan to move forward. That's self-compassion. There's no need to beat yourself up. It feels yucky enough being responsible for somebody else's emotions, never alone beating yourself up further because you did it in the first place. So learning to be your own best friend, learning to take time to listen to yourself, learning to just have grace and hold space for yourself as you're going through this process is going to be huge because it hurts to grow. And when it hurts is when the most growth happens. And so it's really important that we can be our friends at that time so that we can take the lessons that come.
0: I think the point here is you have to be emotionally responsible for yourself and not be emotionally responsible for others. And that's the point, right? It's understanding who you are and self-validating yourself and saying, okay, I'm responsible for my emotions, but I'm not responsible for everyone else's emotions. And once you can start to see that and once you can start to make that association that, you know, again, my responsibility is only to myself and holding other people other, you know, relationships or partnerships to that same standard, you're emotionally responsible for yourself, then that's the shift that needs to happen in order for you to heal and for you to establish better relationships.
1: Exactly. So the last piece that I want to kind of leave you with is, is that if you have little experience of being loved, right, and you just, you don't know what that looks like. Imagine what you would say to a child that you love, and then you direct that towards yourself. And this is how you start learning to be emotionally responsible for just yourself and how you start learning self-love and compassion and care. So that's where I would start. And that's, it's just going to be a cycle. And you're going to cycle through these steps in a process that works best for you. And, you know, that's where the whole healing journey starts. It just starts with awareness, starts with acceptance, and then it starts with wanting more for yourself.
0: Yeah, and we'll, uh, we'll end it there. I don't think there's anything else I can add to this, but uh, I think... Uh, you gave out some good information. I hope, as always, we hope that you come away with something that you learned or something that you can apply to yourself to start you on your journey to self-improvement. Till next time.
1: So, guys, if you aren't following me already, you can find me on TikTok at ask.courtney, on Instagram at askcourtney underscore, and on YouTube at Courtney. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future podcast, you can reach us at with an S at epiphanymedia.com.
0: We'd love to hear your stories, guys, so make sure to reach out. And as always, we're all in this together, so stay safe.
1: Remember, there's no shame in asking for help.
0: Till next time.